In the, in the bleak midwinter is one of my favorite Advent hymns. Its lovely, simple quietude expresses perfectly the backdrop of this season. In the hymn, the world is dormant under a blanket of snow on snow. We, putting ourselves in the place of the narrator in the last verse, have so little to offer. What can I give him, poor as I am? And this imagery is universal in our wintry tellings of the Christmas story. The Holy Family are nearly devoid of resources, as you know. They are forced to sleep in a stable and lay the newborn babe in a feed trough. Christmas takes place in a setting of scarcity and poverty. We often contrast the marvelous grace of God to the deprivation of the world into which it came. And that can be a powerful message for us, especially when we feel as if our resources are being drained, as if we're being squeezed, as if we're in a winter season where there is no harvest on the horizon, as if we're rationing what we've managed to scrape together and feeling like we might run out. The theme of poverty runs through the gospel story. This theme of poverty provides powerful contrast to highlight the unexpected reversals that start right here in Advent. Humble shepherds are the audience for the most glorious choir concert of all time. The powerful ruler of Palestine fumes that he was left out of the loop. Jesus tells the poor that they are blessed and the rich that they are going to have a devil of a time entering the kingdom of God. Above all, the Christmas story is naturally framed as a transition, a change. The old things have passed away, and everything is now new. Framing the story this way encourages us to sort the settings, the times and places, and the characters into a dichotomy. Then as opposed to now. Law as opposed to grace. Deficit as opposed to surplus. Poverty as opposed to abundance. Those contrasts are appealing. But binaries tend to erase what does not fit within them. In today's psalm, we're reminded that God's gifts of creation, justice, freedom, healing, exaltation, love, care, sustenance, providence, did not begin at Christmas. We recognize them becoming incarnate in Jesus Christ. But those gifts are and have always been all around us. From ancient times until now, we have liked to think of our relationship to God in Advent as waiting for deliverance. But this needs to be balanced by seeing and bearing witness to the deliverance that's already present. We might even say incarnated in the witness of lives lived all around us. This past week, the students in my research methods course presented their proposals for the projects they'll be working on for the next year or so. It was a stunning parade 
of the often invisible abundance of their knowledge and creativity. In six minute, 40 second chunks, each student poured out more wealth than even they knew they possessed. Taken all together, it was a true feast brought to the table from every corner of the university. Teachers aren't immune to the tendency to look at their students as empty vessels in contrast to the overflowing cup of scholars like ourselves. I love the end of this class in particular for its extravagant presentation of our hidden wellsprings of resources. When it's over, it feels like the classroom is littered with knowledge, like a cornucopia spilling over on the holiday table. At a scholarly conference right before Thanksgiving, I attended a talk about our heretic bodies, about every way that we and others do not fit the world. Fat bodies, queer bodies, disabled bodies, decaying bodies, immature bodies. It's a message I've heard before and it's one I've increasingly tried to become more aware of. But this talk took a turn. Instead of the heresies of our bodies being a lack, a failure to fit the world, the speaker talked about the glorious excess of these bodies, how they overflow our paltry categories and bear undeniable witness to the immoderate, indulgent, superfluous gifts of existence. Yes, I did consult a thesaurus when writing this sermon. The story of Christmas isn't about what is empty becoming filled. It's about the cup that is filled and running over becoming present to us in a way we can no longer deny or escape because it is so tempting to deny it, to blame our various predicaments on our lack of resource and to await the miracle that will fix it to refuse to see the exorbitant, plethoric, disproportionate bounty of God already all around us. We turn our back on God's gifts when we wait for them to arrive in the right packaging. If you've ever wondered about how to keep Christmas throughout the year, as we are always urged to do, here's an idea. See every person as God's over-the-top gift to you. Every way they push against the boxes, we'd prefer everyone stay inside. Every way they dent and warp and explode our reality. The glory of the Lord cannot be contained in any category. The everlasting joy that Isaiah says will be on our heads is already here in God's dizzying, boundless, profligate, promiscuous, indiscriminate creation and action. The Christ child is not a container in which God comes to us neatly outlined and differentiated from the rest of humanity by a protective halo. Jesus is the eyepiece of a kaleidoscope through which we can glimpse the infinity of God's presence here already if we open our eyes and our hearts to receive it. 
Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, Jesus says of John, more, more. Yet the least in heaven is, is already greater than he. Amen.